Bonfire Press and Studio Erbo present Chronicles of the Essence God, Children of the Essence, by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino, read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 4, One-Way Trip Celeste! Andres threw a hand up in an attempt to grab his friend as she passed overhead. He shouldn't have let her join him in this foray into the temple. The booby traps themselves should have told him that. Though, truth be told, he might not be standing there alive if she hadn't been around for the flamethrowers. It no longer mattered, really. She was here, and Andres intended to do anything within his power, now that she was... gone. Just like that, she vanished before everybody's eyes. Andres did his best to immediately blend in. Blending in actually wasn't much of a problem with his mouth agape, and no clue where his friend had vanished. At least in all of the commotion, nobody had heard him call for Celeste. The master held out his hand and collected the amber stone, snatching it from where it hung in midair. He placed it back in the box and stepped closer to his crowd. Lock the doors. Conduct exit interviews on every last person in the room. I want to know everything we can find out about our visitor and that staff of hers. Without hesitation, he turned and stepped down the stairs behind him, handing the box off to another robed man. Master Kevin turned and waved for his colleague across the room. David, a word? He headed through an arched doorway into another chamber, where he removed his robe, revealing a man in denim jeans and a blue polo shirt, with a white t-shirt peeking out between the collar buttons. David stepped through behind him. Master? The master turned to address him. Well, that was quite the spectacle, wasn't it? Demos foresaw it. Kevin, you know the vision didn't end there. Demos saw the blood of our brethren spilled here today. It's not over. We were expecting a male. Yes, do not panic the masses, but kindly remind the sentries of the vision. Thank you, David. Of course, master. David turned and exited. Andres was slow to approach the exit. Each member was searched and seated for questioning. Surprisingly, there was nary a complaint to be heard. Bumped from behind, he turned and locked eyes with another man in the same green robe as himself. My apologies, brother, Andres spoke. A local, eh? The man spoke. Andres didn't know how to respond. He stood there, wholly unprepared for this entire situation. There wasn't a fragment of the confidence he displayed in front of Celeste earlier in the day. Your accent, I have clients out this way. I'm sorry. Charles. Charles Pinnault. Glad to make your acquaintance. Um, what can I call you? The man named Charles yammered on. Shetivas. The pleasure is mine. Andres fell into character quite comfortably, and his confidence seemed to return. Well, I gotta be honest, Jay. This cult stuff is interesting, but mostly it has done wonders for my networking abilities. Has anyone ever spoken to you about a life insurance policy? Andres held up a finger. Hang on, friend. I think I left something back by the altar. Would you mind if we continued this later? I'm sure I'd be fascinated to hear more. You cannot be too careful. Well, friend, you have yourself a deal. I'm going to see if I can't get through the gates there and dig up a business card. I'll see you on the other side. Mr. Penalt disappeared into the crowd as Andres turned back. In hindsight... Flo knew that she was wasting time with all the hopeful phone calls she made to Celeste's friends upon finding her cell phone. The reality that her daughter was missing was hard enough, 
but that she could literally be at any place and at any point in time, that was more than she was ready to comprehend. She hit send on her phone again. It could have been the 300th time she had lost track. Calling Rick Edmund. The screen displayed with a timer. Damn it, Rick, pick up, she screamed at the phone frantically. Elise reached over and took her aunt's hand into her own while keeping her eyes on the road. Are you sure that I can't go with you, Aunt Flo? I hate the thought of you out there on your own. Flo squeezed her niece's hand and dropped her cell phone into her lap. Damn this essence stuff. I largely avoided it until now. I cannot drag anybody else into this, and especially not someone who is with a child. I appreciate you keeping an eye out at home while I'm away. If she shows up, I'd love somebody to be there. I'm going to call Marcus as soon as I am done speaking with Rick. Her father will be angry that I waited to talk to him, but I don't even know what to tell him. I just know he'd do his best to stop me from going to see Rick. She grew quiet and stared out of the car window. Elise let go of her hand and brought her hand around the steering wheel to turn into the domestic departing flight's exits. She kept alert while merging from exit to exit. Uncle Marcus will be impressed to see the lengths you're going through to find your daughter. You underestimate his ability to understand. I'm sure this isn't his first essence-related experience. You're right, dear. I guess there are so many unknowns right now. I'll try to stop adding to them. Looks like this is my stop. The car pulled alongside the curb, and then Elise brought it to a stop. Elise again picked up her aunt's hand. I love you, Aunt Flo. You are my rock, the toughest woman that I know. If anybody can handle this, it's you. And if Celeste is even an ounce as strong as her mother, she won't end up needing your help anyways. Mom, I wish you were here. I could really use your help, Celeste thought as she hid among boxes of papers and artifacts. She slid the top off of the box to her right and moved some materials around within. Not sure what she was looking for, but hoping to find something that could help her and Andres make whatever case they were trying to make. She pocketed a handful of small stones and a necklace. Everything felt so ambiguous. They never had a plan. No plan for meeting up initially. No plan about what to do when they got to the temple. Only a half-assed plan for what to do if they got separated. And no plan about what to do if her family heirloom caused her to crowd surf across a sacrificial chamber like Peter Pan toward an essence lodestone. And what was that? It acted as some sort of magnet. There was no stopping the walking stick as it floated across the room, and she dared not let go. The only thing she could do was think of somewhere else to be and appear there. Maybe the room she had been in prior to the incident wasn't the best idea, but it was the first thing she thought about when she considered that she didn't want to separate too far from Andres. Rather than leaving, she was determined to make the trip worthwhile, so she bypassed the chamber she'd come from and made her way through the corridors behind that chamber. There she sat, in a dark room, trying to figure out what she could about these people and what they were doing. As she turned to grab the box top, the door creaked behind her. She froze. She was not afraid to get caught because she knew she could be gone in the blink of an eye. But she didn't want to leave Andres behind if she didn't have to. Celeste balled up her fist in the event she might need it. Celeste, it's me. Please, relax. I can't take another beating from you today. Celeste turned to see Andres looking warm, but still sporting his charming, warm smile. For the second time that day, Celeste threw her arms around Andres. I just knew you wouldn't be able to leave either. We are just too close. 
You should have left, Celeste, but I admit I'm pleased to have you here. Let's take a look around and get out of here, Andres asserted. As he finished his sentence, a map on the wall over Celeste's head caught his eye. It was an older map of the world, with markings and words drawn all over it. Triangles drawn in a number of places. Farmosa, Argentina, Mount Olympus, Greece, Tangier, Morocco, and others. Columns drawn in Switzerland, a circle around Santorini, Greece, and X's scattered in various places around the globe, but no legend to identify any of it. Celeste looked up. I've been so focused on these boxes that I never noticed the things on the wall. Who is that? She pointed to a painting hanging under the map. There sat a portrait of a man with an olive complexion. His features could be that of a classical statue, though his scruffy chin wasn't as dignified as the subjects of most paintings Andres had ever seen. The one thing that stood out immediately was the man's eyes. The man stood there, staring at the pair through glasses, but one of the lenses was green. The singular jade eye, Andres exclaimed. Like the man said out there, this must be who he was talking about. Wow. Celeste glanced at the plaque below the painting. Demos Calis, Dion, Greece. Demos, Andres jogged his memory. He'd heard that name before arriving here. He's the one that sent those goons to ransack my room. Celeste, I think I know where we're heading next. I can't go to Greece. My mom will kill me, Celeste exclaimed. Mi amor, I thought we were in this together, Andres started. Celeste stepped back. My mother, she must be worried sick. What am I doing? And my dad, he is going to flip out. Andres, this has been fun, and I'm glad I was able to help you, but I really should get back home. The door opened behind Andres. A man stepped into the room and nodded to the boy beside him. Good call, Eugene. You were right to alert us. He patted the boy on the head, and the boy turned around and ran down the hall. So, are we going to do this the easy way or the hard? Before the man could finish speaking, Celeste and Andres were nowhere to be seen. San Francisco International Airport As she walked the corridor for the umpteenth time, Flo knew she needed a distraction. The feeling in her gut would not dissipate, and her anxious behavior was only serving to amplify her anxiety in a vicious cycle. Flo browsed the racks at the airport bookstore. The magazines were covered by Janet Jackson, a handful with Michelle Obama, and a couple with Team USA, but nothing that appealed to Flo enough to distract her. She grabbed a small crossword book and pen from the small rack next to the magazines and headed to check out. A gust of wind ruffled the magazine covers behind her, and a few candy bars fell off of the counter near the register as she withdrew her wallet from her purse. The wind surrounding Celeste and Andres lifted and both dropped to the ground. A crowd of people gathered around. Andres looked at Celeste. Celeste, where have you brought us? Celeste shrugged her shoulders. An airport? I'm pretty sure you intend to get to Greece, and hell if I know anything about Greece. So this was the first place that I've been to that I could think of. The San Francisco International Airport. Andres grabbed Celeste by the arm and the pair rushed away from the crowd. Flo exited the bookstore and noticed a crowd forming at a nearby terminal. Part of her wanted to take the walk down to see what was going on. She could use the distraction. But she also knew she was quite a ways from the domestic terminals, 
and had better get back to prepare for boarding. Why can't I ever let myself in on the fun, she thought. I used to be fun. She tucked her crossword puzzle book into her bag and headed toward the commotion. Celeste and Andres stood around the corner behind a divider wall in a terminal lobby. Celeste, we don't have tickets. How are we supposed to board a plane? I don't know. I didn't exactly have a chance to think. I just knew that I could get us to safety, and you'll have to excuse me if I don't consider magic first when making impromptu travel plans. It's an airport. It made sense in the moment. Well, we can't exactly sweet-talk our way onto a plane. We're going to have to use this stick to get out of here. Celeste's head dropped. Look, Andres, I'm basically home. If I walk out of here now, I can have my mom called and I can get back in time to see my cousin be on her way. I'm sure you can finagle a ticket and get to Greece. This might not be your ideal plan, but as far as last-minute plans go, it's not an awful one. Celeste looked out across the terminal at the group that had gathered and were heavy in gossip about what had happened when she saw a familiar face. Quietly, she spoke. Mom? What's my mom doing here? Suddenly, Andres reached out and grabbed the walking stick. He raised it in the air with his right arm and gripped Celeste's arm with his left hand. Winds picked up around the pair once more, and he scrunched his eyes closed tightly. He felt the floor drop out from under him as he became weightless and seemingly disconnected from the earth. Dion Grease was in his thoughts, and he was determined to project that as strongly as he could. As the winds howled around him, Andres relaxed and gave himself to the breeze. Then suddenly the winds dissipated, and he and Celeste dropped to the ground once more. We really need to work on our landing, Andres said, shooting his usual smile at Celeste. Seriously? You just kidnapped me, and you think I'm just going to fall for your dumb joke and smile like a little schoolgirl? You're an asshole. Celeste balled up her fist mid-swing and landed a punch to Andres' gut. Celeste, I'm sorry. I panicked. You know the feeling. You just used it moments ago for the same reason. Andres began to explain. Celeste did not lighten up. Not the same reason at all. I brought us away from potentially armed cult members that were looking for us. You brought us away from my mother. Not the same at all. She brought her pointer finger up to his face furiously. Your mom, who was looking for us, he began, but didn't get far. Not the same. She turned around with her arms crossed. Celeste, here. Andres extended his arms and held out the walking stick. Take it and return to your mother. I'm sorry, and I'm very grateful for the assistance you have given me. Celeste turned around and accepted the walking stick. She stood still and glared at him sternly. Look, I understand that you're angry, and I won't be surprised if you decide... Andres's mouth hung open as he was suddenly talking to air. Wow, she left. Just like that. I didn't think she had it in her. I guess I'm on my own, Andres thought to himself as he made his way out of the cobblestone-covered alleyway. Dion Grease was beautiful. He'd been to the region before and always found a certain comfort in the air. But today's events had made him rather unable to find comfort in anything. He didn't even know where he was going. He just knew the name on the plaque and the triangle on the map had to mean something. So he was there in that gorgeous city, taking a stroll down the street. Suddenly, things felt uneasy around him. An unexpected turbulence clouded his head, and a burst of energy, followed by a gust of wind, exploded in front of him. 
you're an asshole, Celeste shouted. Mi amor, you've returned. I half expected your mother to show up. I was terrified that she might also have that strong right hook. Andres tried not to give that smile, but he couldn't resist. Ugh, Celeste dropped her shoulders and relaxed. I didn't go to mom. I didn't actually go anywhere. It was like I hit a wall. I was here, then I was gone, and everything was just stark white and uncomfortable. Then I leapt back here to you. She seemed to be lightening up. I'm sorry, Celeste. I don't know what that's about, but if we figure it out, I'll be glad to see you on your way. Andres was about as serious as he'd ever looked. Shut up. It's not all you. I was a little brash. We're in this together. Maybe we can find a payphone and I can reach Mom. In the meantime, hey, I'm in Greece. There are worse places to be, she smiled. Andres smiled back. A payphone is more helpful if you have money, he said, pulling his empty pockets inside out. Celeste turned her bag upside down and emptied it on the ground. A handful of rocks fell out. A few were sculpted artifacts. She couldn't place the origin. A few were amber in color. Yes, I'm broke too. What do you think we could get for these things? She asked Andres. Just then, the amber rocks on the ground began to shake and roll across the ground. Andres, should they be doing that? I've never seen rocks roll uphill. Theme music by Carol Cockrell.